Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Taking a look at the historical background in the book of Jonah, last time we went through historical background related to the nation of Israel, specifically some of the background of the ancient world broadly, and then got into the uh, background of Assyria as a nation, and we're picking up there uh, in this session. Shalmaneser III campaigns against this 12-king coalition, and one of the kings is Ahab, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Ahab puts up the second largest force against Shalmaneser, and this plays out at a battle around a city in northern Canaan called Karkar, the Battle of Karkar, and this is around 853 B.C. So this battle takes place between the Assyrian Empire and this 12-king coalition, and it seems as though it's something of a draw. Shalmaneser doesn't necessarily present himself as being victorious uh, during this battle, and we see for some time uh, he sort of pulls back from his uh, campaigning into the West. So perhaps Ahab and these other 12 kings uh, were uh, largely successful in preventing the advance of Shalmaneser, the Assyrian king, at this point. However, it wasn't long after this that we see uh, an artifact called the Black Obelisk of Shalmaneser III, and this artifact depicts the later Israelite king Jehu paying tribute to Shalmaneser III. This would have been later in Shalmaneser's reign. So he did not stop his advance into the west and into the south, and he was able to uh, subject the people of the northern kingdom and uh, actually get King Jehu to pay him tribute uh, by that point. Now, after Shalmaneser III, Shalmaneser III reigns until about 825 BC. And this is when we have a period of about 75 years of the weakening of the Assyrian Empire. This is when the book of Jonah takes place historically sometime within this 70-year period. So we have a series of weaker kings who are struggling with their own problems uh, within the land of Assyria itself. And it even prevents them from campaigning, from going to war year by year, which is something that they are bound to do in worship to their god, uh, Asher. So we have a number of these kings, and I just want to uh, give you a short, short overview about each one momentarily. After Shalmaneser III, a king named Shamshiadad the fifth. Uh, had some problems from his own brother. His own brother revolted, leading to a six-year rebellion within his kingdom. It's hard to go out and advance and conquer when you have problems in your own court, when your own brother is trying to take over your throne. So Shamshiadad is struggling uh, with that major issue during his reign. 
His son, Adad-Nirari III, uh, became the father of three subsequent kings who reign for shorter amounts of time. He was an Assyrian king who actually was able to push west again, laid siege to the city of Damascus north of Israel, and weakened the state of Aram north of Israel so that Israel was able to take some of that territory. And we saw last week in 2 Kings 14 how during the time of Jeroboam II, uh, uh, Jonah prophesied that the land would be taken all the way to the city of Hamath in the north. This was probably a direct result of the Assyrian king Adad-Nirari III's campaign against Damascus, which weakened Aram and provided the way for Israel to take some of that to territory, possession of some of that territory. Adad-Nirari, one of his uh, children, one of his sons, was Shalmaneser IV, who reigns immediately after him. Now, very little information remains at present from the reign of Shalmaneser IV, other than uh, this was not a significant time militarily for the Assyrians. The same is true with the following king, Ashurdan III, except that Interestingly, during his approximately 15-year reign, there were quite a bit of uh, things that went wrong. We could call this Asherdan's series of unfortunate events. There were two different plagues that occurred during his reign. There was a major revolt in Assyria against his power. There was a major solar eclipse that took place during this time that would have had religious significance for uh, the Assyrians. They would have viewed this uh, very negatively. The gods are uh, upset with us. Uh, something's wrong in the land. And uh, during Ashurdan III's reign, it was evident that for uh, many years he was not able to campaign, which again, for the Assyrian king would have been, they, they would have done everything in their power to be able to uh, hold a campaign. Uh, so he also was a son of Adad-Nirari III. The third son of Adad-Nirari was Ashur-Nirari V, the last ruler of this weakened time. He inherited as well a difficult court situation. During the reign of these three sons of Adanarari III, there was a commanding general by the name of Shamshi Ilu who uh, served as a noble who had more authority than these individuals would have had in the past. So there's less authority with the king and evidence of more authority with this commanding general and perhaps other nobles or city officials or possibly regional governors. Uh, Asher Narari V, the final ruler of this weakened state uh, within Assyria, ultimately loses control to Tiglath-Pileser III, who becomes the strong king to reunite Assyria and then ultimately causes some major, major headaches for the northern kingdom of Israel. So the question on everybody's mind, I'm sure, is under which of these kings does Jonah uh, go to the city of Nineveh and speak to them and, and cry out against 
Nineveh. Well, we don't have clear evidence of one in particular, but I think uh, some of the incidental evidence or supportive evidence might point to the reign of Asherdan III, uh, during which uh, his reign there were two plagues, there was a major revolt, solar eclipse, he was not able to campaign. These would be the years 772 to 755, roughly during that time. Uh, I think if, if you pressed me to put a date on the book of Jonah and the events of Jonah, I'd have to pick somewhere between 765 and 755 as most likely dates uh, for these events. So now I want to turn to a discussion briefly of the city of Nineveh and what Nineveh specifically was like within this Assyrian context. Nineveh was one of the major cities in the Assyrian Empire. However, at this point in Assyrian history, it is most likely that Nineveh is not the capital city. The capital city was probably at the city of Calhu, uh, further to the east, closer to the Tigris uh, River, uh, a little further to the south. The city of Nineveh was probably uh, one of the base camps or the initial points for the campaigns of the Assyrian kings up to this point, but at this stage, not necessarily the capital. Uh, it wouldn't be until 705 and following with the rise of the Assyrian king Sennacherib uh, who would move his capital city from uh, the site of Dusharukin to uh, Nineveh and set up his palace there. So this is about 50, 60 years before Nineveh would become the capital city. Uh, now, it was excavated in the mid-1800s by a man named Austin Henry Laird, and, and he found the palace of Sennacherib, the library of the later Assyrian ruler Ashurbanipal, and all of these famous things that we see in museums today. Most of them relate to Nineveh a little bit later on, 50 years later, 100 years later, not specifically from the period of Jonah or prior. So Nineveh is probably not the capital of Assyria at this time. However, it was a city that was huge and massive and I'm sure beautiful in its day. A city with multiple temples to several different Assyrian gods. Uh, and, and just to name a few, we'll, we'll talk about some of these gods throughout. There was a temple to Nabu, who would have been a god related to uh, writing and prophecy and wisdom in the Assyrian world. A temple to the Assyrian god Sin, the god of the moon. A temple to Asher. We've already talked about Asher as the god of war. A temple to Adad. Adad is the Mesopotamian god who is probably comparable to the Canaanite god Baal or Baal. He's the god of storms and lightning, roughly equivalent to Zeus in Greek mythology. A temple to the god Shamash, the god of justice. A temple perhaps to the god Dagon, 
Dagon was a god who was over the sea, over chaos, and depicted commonly as a fish, interestingly. Uh, and there may be some connections there with the events that take place, uh, as we'll see in the book of Jonah. So archaeologically, during the time of Sennacherib, a little bit later on after Jonah would have visited the city, Sennacherib talks about how he builds up this massive wall around the city, and the, the, the wall is about seven miles in circumference. Um, this is a huge city complex. However, uh, you'll notice that this is not necessarily match up with uh, the size that's given in the book of Jonah. It, does, it wouldn't have necessarily taken you three days to walk across this entire city, even as large as it was. So what is going on there with the description that's given uh, in the book of Jonah? Well, there are a couple different possibilities. Some people would say the three days journey to get through the city means in order to see the entirety of the city and do it justice, you had to walk through it at least for three days. You really needed three days to take a look around. I visited the city of Paris a number of years ago and stayed there for uh, two and a half days. And it really took us that long to be able to see the major sites of the city. So perhaps we could take uh, Jonah 3.3 that way. Uh, it could also be referring to Nineveh as a province maybe larger than just the city specifically, but a province or territory around the city of Nineveh that took larger to, to walk through. It could also be a, a Hebrewism, a, a Hebrew way of saying this was just a very, very large city. Uh, and so the specific wording, a three days journey should be taken metaphorically rather than literally for the size of a very great, very expansive city. So at this time, Nineveh is a beautiful city, a marvelous city, not the capital of the kingdom of Assyria, but in a very significant city uh, nonetheless. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.